Welcome to Anything Goes, the best geek and pop culture show broadcasting from Long Island, New York. I'm your host, Smith Rooney, and we're back with a brand new episode. I'm sorry that it's been a little bit since our last episode. I know I say that on almost every episode now because it just seems a little bit of a gap. But the other podcasts I do, please rewind the RF Forum Retro Show. That's far more consistent than this show. If you can't get enough of me here, you can go over there. Myself and usually two guests, Jamie Julian and Guy Milks. Sometimes like we switch them out, the hosts, depending on scheduling. That's where we talk about movies when it comes to anniversaries. And that's far more consistent than this show. But if you enjoyed this show and never want to miss an episode, episode, uh, don't forget to subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcast. And leave a review wherever you get your podcast because it really helps get the word out on this show. Now, in the midst of the craziness of the world that's going with right now, with uh, uh, the coronavirus is going around, there's a lot of doom and gloom in the air, and there's a lot of good reason for that. But there's also, I think, there's a time for there's like we all we want to be vigilant and want to be uh, on top of things and news is happening. But there are times where it gets to be a little much, and you need to step back and disconnect from it a little bit because you're driving yourself crazy just being on top of it and you may end up like with horrible anxiety and your depression may start or become worse if you keep on those kind of up constant updates. So for this episode, I'm going to be, me and my guests are going to be talking about our top five or just favorite uh, pick-me-up or relaxing movies, movies that will we can watch and you can feel this in comfort and to feel really good about yourselves and kind of recharges your batteries a little bit. Now, my guest is a podcaster in her own right and kind of laps most podcasters when it comes to dropping content out there <laughs> because she's just that pro, uh, prolific. And it's been a while since she's done the show, and that's a, that's totally on my part on scheduling right there. And it's Lisa of I Love Emily. How are you doing, Lisa? Hey, how are you? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me on. I'm super excited to talk about these feel-good movies. Yeah, and because I feel like both of us, I think we can seemingly get really down on ourselves and get, and everything becomes really dire. And I think both <laughs> of us are in kind of that situation. And then yeah. we realize like, nope, 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 nope. We we gotta we gotta have some shine, sunshine and <laughs> some rainbows in our life and everything. So I thought this would be appropriate for us to talk about our favorite feel good movies. Yeah, I definitely have had a case of the blues over the past couple of months. Uh, just, you know, life stuff, things happen, and then this happens. So it's everything times 10. But there are there are good things to think about, too. And I so I think this episode you came up with is awesome and excited to talk about these movies. Yes, and to be fair, I have to be 100% transparent here. This, this idea, this germ of idea came from, I think, a Twitter... A conversation that you started a few weeks back of like your feel good movies. I oh, think that's yeah. when like, and it started as a thread. So <laughs> I'll be completely honest. This is technically your idea. I'm being fully transparent in the uh, this podcast uh, genesis. No worries. You're actually the second person to run with this because uh, on my uh, Patreon only episodes, Chris Balga suggested picking five comedy movies. So on on that episode, we talked about our five favorite comedies. Uh, so it's there's a, been a lot of positivity <laughs> that's floating around out there. So I'm really excited about that. I'm flattered that you uh, were inspired by that idea and that we get to talk about these movies now. Yes. And so let's not delay anymore. So let's jump into our favorite, our favorite feel-good movies right now. <laughs>
Okay. Now, uh, I like I put my list like I, we just discussed before we start. We hit record. I, I did it as like a top five list, but you didn't have it in that kind of a weird structure. Like I, I, I'm kind of anal retentive like that sometimes. But since you're the guest, I'll have you go first. What is your first uh, feel good movie? Okay, well, I'll, I'll kind of try to rank them a little bit. Um, so, so the first one I want to talk about is the Great Muppet Caper. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think this movie is hilarious. I love the Muppets, so I'm very biased in that way. But I think this is probably their best film at least in my opinion just overall i love everything about it the plot um the uh comedic timing the muppets have and their interaction with the real people and i've seen it so many times since i was i don't know four years old so i have a long history with this movie and i think that it's still extremely funny i watched it a year or two ago and was laughing so hard the entire time I think it ages great, and it's a really fun watch. So if you don't watch a lot of Muppet movies, you don't know where to start. I mean, this is really like the cream of the crop, in my opinion. And I, I think it's hard to argue with that. It's like that or <laughs> Muppets Take Manhattan is very good. Yes, that one is uh, really good, too. I feel like sometimes those two movies sort of meld into one movie in my mind. <laughs> so that's why I didn't drop that many details, because I'm afraid I'll start talking about a different movie. But, uh, but that's the one that stands out. That has some of my favorite scenes in it. Definitely. And um, do you know what, like, the night you mentioned it, like, um... This past Christmas, I didn't watch Muppets uh, Christmas Carol. I kind of kicked myself mm. for that. And <laughs> I love that movie too. Yeah, I, I mean Michael Caine as as um, Scrooge is perfect, and Stadler and Wardoff as Marlene Marley. I think that's just the perfect mm-hmm. combination right there. I know this is a Muppet caper here, but this has become a Muppet conversation right now. It, I'm good with that. <laughs> <laughs> but it, it, like with that, when you mentioned Muppet Caper, it's been years since I've watched it, and I may so have good. to break that out sometime during our our self imposed quarantine. That I may have to <laughs> yeah. watch uh, Muppet Caper now. You should. You should. What about yours? What's yours? Uh, my number five is actually another. It's a comedy. It's a Get Shorty. Get Shorty. Oh my gosh, I haven't seen that movie in forever. But go ahead, talk about your history with it and stuff. <laughs> uh, this is one of those movies that I think I saw on USA Network first, and because it was one, it was a staple of basic cable uh, TV uh, uh, for years, and like I was so used to the, the punchiness and the quick uh, dialogue of it, and John Travolta being smooth, even maybe even smoother than how he was in. Like Pulp Fiction, it, like he is like, mm-hmm. it, like he's like he's like made out of silk. Like that's how smooth he is in, in Get Shorty. <laughs> and it's funny when you watch it, the uncensored version of it, like how explicit the movie actually is. And so that caught me off guard the first time I watched. I think I took it from the library, and they drop an f bomb after f bomb, and I'm like, whoa, okay, I did not realize this because it had been years since I seen it on TV versus when I saw it. Um, on video and i'm a huge gene gene hackman is like is a, is a contender for my favorite actor of all time and i love him in this because he's not playing the the traditional gene hackman character where he's the strongest person in the room at, at all times with the exception of superman being in the room and mm-hmm. so him being kind of a buffoon as a as a kind of like a roger corman or lloyd kaufman kind of director in that movie is hilarious and the fact that Danny DeVito is kind of like a Daniel Day-Lewis in that movie's universe, <laughs> which, like, you, you say that loud, like, that, that, sounds, that sounds ludicrous, but it works. 
And yeah. I just find it really funny. And Rene Russo is fantastic. And I just think everybody, there's not a bad performance in that movie. And it makes sense why Barry Sonnenfeld was one of those biggest directors of the time from the 90s, where you have the Adams Family movies, this, and the first Men in Black. Like, he could do no wrong. And I'm pissed at myself because he actually, Barry Sonnenfeld came to my local independent cinema recently I, I didn't get a chance to see him because i think i was some other thing was going on that evening and i i wish i could have gone to have him sign my dvd copy of it and just oh, talk man. to him about it i yeah. know and I, that's <laughs> one of the things I'm, is I'm gonna i'm gonna wake up in like cold sweats years from now saying like why didn't you do that like you could have rescheduled but that's on my behalf and yeah i just think get is really funny and that's why i really enjoy it yeah i love it i need to rewatch that it's been so long and yeah, it's just a classic. Mm-hmm. And what is your next uh, feel-good movie? Okay, if you heard me clicking around, I was really quickly trying to rank them. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, my number four that I have is it, I I struggled with this. It's not really a feel-good. I mean, it is. Oh gosh. Okay, I'm just gonna say it. The Sound of Music. That's a feel-good movie. I don't know why you need it to is. feel it's embarrassed got some for darkness to it. You know, with the Nazi stuff. Um. But I I really, really love this movie. I've loved it since I was a child. Um, I don't know when the first time I saw it was. But even when I used to claim I didn't like musicals, and I really thought I didn't, but I just hadn't seen enough. Um, when I thought I didn't like musicals, I always loved this movie, regardless. Um, I've seen it countless times. I love all the songs. It's just a great film. Um, and I think it, you know, ages wonderfully as well. Um and I think no matter who you are, you need to check it out and see it at least once. But I feel like you're going to end up seeing it again. I just imagine two things. One, I think when you realize you, you were a fan of musicals, you ran up to a hill and you you sang like the hills are alive. I think that's, that's, <laughs> what, that's my mental image right there. You coming out with your love for musicals. That's my, that's, that, that's my headcanon from now on. Nice. I like it. <laughs> and two, I think you need to have darkness to have light. Yeah, you need to have this kind of dark elements in there. I mean, like, you think of, for years, Don Bluth made a career off of children seeing dark things at a very young age with his animated movies, yet they would usually, yes. usually would have, like, even as dark as Secret of Nim has, like, a happy ending to it. I know. Secret of Nim is about a single mom that has a son that's dying. Like, that's a weird plot for a child's film. <laughs> yeah, like, you but would. But it is like, a great movie. <laughs> well, like it makes sense why he left Disney because that would, Disney would never make that movie, and at least not at that time when the Disney no, Corporation no, no. was in dire straits. No, maybe Pixar would now, but yeah, no, totally agree with you. Right, and then you think of like um, Land Before Time, where you have Littlefoot talking to like oh, it was his mother, right? Not or his grandmother. That dies. I think uh, his the... mother dies. Okay, it was his, I mo- think his mother. Okay, mm-hmm. I, I could like I was mixing up the genealogy there but like that's the beginning of the movie and you're just like okay i hope there's light at the end of this tunnel here and there is but and i think that this is it's further proof why you need those kind of dark moments to justify the the light sensibilities of like the sound of music has absolutely totally agree is there anything else you need to say on the sound of music you know, I you know I could talk about the sound of music forever, but no, I think I think you guys <laughs> should go watch it if you haven't already. Um, and it's just a wonderful film. And like fun fact, it's like one of the most highest grossing movies of all time. 
for good reason. Yeah. yeah. And like it's so much so that it's I think that's 20th Century Fox. I think it saved Fox when they were in they were on um they were on the ropes when it came to their financial stability at the time. Mm. Um that like that's during that that awkward period of like television's here and so Hollywood's like shit, we need uh, 3D. That's what we need or we need we need Todd Ao. We need things that we can project on the side of mountains. Like that's how big our movies need to be and musicals. Uh, and before the new Hollywood and the Brad Pack, or not the Brad Pack, the like yeah the movie bunch of that that degree. Uh, my next uh, feel good movie is actually Hot Fuzz. Nice. Covered that. I've, I covered that recently. And yeah. After revisiting it, I I had a new appreciation for it for sure. And, and the really the funny thing is, and you think of the Cornell trilogy overall. Um, if I had like a next, I'm ranking things like that's the one I go back. <laughs> I, I go back to Hot Fuzz the least of the three movies. The reason being, not saying I don't like it, I I adore all three movies. Um, Shaun of the Dead being my, being my number one, and I've liked The World's End a little bit more than Hot Fuzz, and. Mm-hmm. Because I think, like, both of those are... Because both Hot Fuzz and Shaun of the Dead have really dark moments in there. Yeah. And, like, those are some moments in there. And you can't go back to them every now and then. Because I think, like, sometimes, all right, you need a little bit of a break. Even though they're both comedies. And they're supposed to make you laugh. And they do. But I think Hot Fuzz, I think it's, like... I th- How I break it down is, like, I think Shaun of the Dead and The World's End have story. While Hot Fuzz has plot. And mm-hmm. not saying that's a bad thing or anything, but it's like that's more Hot Fuzz is specifically supposed to be a procedural and it's supposed to be like making fun of cop movies and cop procedurals right, and like how right. American how American cop movies versus how British cop movies were. <laughs> and yeah, and but I think it's why I can go back to Hot Fuzz and, and I can laugh from very, from the very first shot of that very long take of Summit Peg walking from the background all the way to extreme close up. And I laugh all the way into swans getting flying through the air, miniature uh, townships being destroyed. Like it's a Godzilla movie by a, uh, a Timothy Dalton with a, a, an infectious smile. And there's so many gags throughout that I, I <laughs> that I, I still chuckle at even out of context. I'll just think of a line because my ADD will kick in at sometimes, and then I will laugh um, to myself, and I look like a crazy person more than I already do. And is you and I, I like the joke that it took me the years to realize is when Simon Pegg is talking to Nick Frost. He's like, like your father's elected himself to judge, jury, and executioner. And Nick Frost says he is not judge, 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 executioner. And I never realized that until years <laughs> later, and like I almost fell out of my seat because I never realized that before. And it was maybe like my fifteenth time seeing it. And it's just a fun cop, a buddy cop movie, and a lot of action take place in in a in a setting you don't normally see, which is a small village in England, and that's why I really enjoy Hot Fuzz. Yeah, yeah, I I totally agree. I think uh, it's a great film, and I have fun revisiting it. It's really enjoyable. It's yeah, pretty much nonstop laughs. Completely agree. <laughs> and I think like my. my I think underrated jokes is when it's near the end where Simon Pegg and Nick Frost jump in the cop car to chase after Nick Frost's dad and Timothy Dalton. And they're like, punch that shit! And they peel out of there. <laughs> and it cuts to the people who are supposed to be raiding the township with their clipboards just looking there just aghast at what's going on. And a little flyer in the background falls down. I, 
it's a subtle joke that like, I, I, I belly laugh every time about it. <laughs> but what is your next uh, feel-good movie? My next one is a movie that I started watching a couple years ago. Um, I hadn't seen before, but now watch a lot <laughs> is uh, Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. That is a Marilyn Monroe movie, correct? It is, yeah. It's it's one of those things where, you know, I, I remember in, like, high school, a lot of girls having, like, pictures of Marilyn Monroe on their wall and stuff like that. But I, I was never into those films. Uh, I Again, this is the era of Lisa not watching a lot of um, musicals. So I, it just didn't appeal to me. And the whole, like, you know, my perception of her was just, like, silly bimbo act that she does you know i don't like that um i think as i've started watching a lot more films i gave her a chance <laughs> again and i love this movie so much and it's so smart and funny it's just great um but i think it, it made me respect her as an actress like a lot more too because she is very very funny uh, all on her own, and she knows what she's doing, and it's it's just really great. But I think her and the the other main character in the film just carry that whole movie, and like the plot is just so ridiculous. I mean, it's like really dumb, but the musical numbers are awesome. Their outfits are just so beautiful, and I don't know. I just I'm just like in a really good mood every time I see it, and uh, it's not just me. Nick actually really likes it too. Uh, he sat down and watched it, not really on purpose. I was just watching it, and he kind of came over and sat down. And now he's like, if we're both having a bad day, he's like, let's watch that one. That one's fun. <laughs> so I I don't know. I just I highly recommend it. I think it um it, it feels more relevant now than you would think. And it's just a really, really fun comedy. I mean, it's got a lot of really silly gags. I'm not going to defend that. But they're genuinely enjoyable. Right. And I think that's that's the key to Marilyn Monroe is because you think of her, you think of the like the two things that most pop culture thinks of her is, A, uh, singing Happy Birthday to JFK. Right. Uh, in the most like seductive way possible. And you wonder, like, mm -hmm. like is Jackie not in the room is that why this is getting away right now like like everybody else should have been like been like huh i guess they're really close friends um and two it's her standing on the subway grate when the train right, goes by right. and she's pushing up her dress um <laughs> yeah that's why as a kid you know a lot of girls are like oh she's my hero and i'm like really like uh i guess that was me being sort of um more feminist than some even back as a kid or, or maybe just that I wasn't super girly I don't know but I just never really I, I didn't really identify with her I guess is what you would say but like watching it now um as an adult I just have such a different perspective on on who she was and and on her performance and yeah it's like it, she's deeper than what you see and I think uh I had a, a guest on my show one time Sarah Ragsdale she said the same thing about Audrey Hepburn is that some of these actors from the past, we have this like idea of who they are, pretty much just a photo of them or like you're saying just a quick clip of them. But you should really go back and watch those movies because that's just the surface of what those people can do um, most of the time. So, yeah, I really I, I really think that she is amazing in this film. And that's the key because, A, she was she had incredible comic timing. 
and that she was very smart in like it's she's completely the antithesis of the like you say like the dumb bimbo kind of stereotype there she just leaned into it because it, it got her work and, yeah. and the movie is very much like sassy women you know um that are that know what they're doing and they're on top of it <laughs> and then they're, they've got like a sympathetic you know male character who is also kind of in on it i don't know it, it's a, it's a fun movie um i think it takes a lot of those like tropes and just has a really good time with them um and is fun to watch and, and like if like you want to have like a really great double feature you do that and some like it hot back to back yeah yeah exactly and I think that's that. That's just a wonderful evening right there. Yeah, uh, that's almost like the boy version of this. Almost like it, it's weird. You have you have to see them. I think back to back. But I feel like maybe I like the gentlemen prefer blondes a little bit more because it's like two gal pals, and then you know um, some like it hot is like two guy best friends. But both equally great movies. Definitely. And uh, <laughs> now I'm just imagining when. Uh, in some like it hot where they're asking like I forget uh, is that, I think it's Tony no it's not Tony Gers but it's somebody asking Jack Lemmon like oh so who's the lucky girl and Jack Lemmon's still in his woman get up he's like me and he shakes his Morocco's <laughs> because he's so in love at that point <laughs> um, but going back to um, the subway great um, image of Marilyn Monroe if you want to see a great parody of that there's a Snickers commercial with William Defoe <laughs> as Marilyn Monroe Oh, I remember that commercial. Oh my god, so and, great! And he's like, "This is so impractical. Like, why am I doing this?" And, and he's like, "Like, eat a Snickers. Why? Because you're not yourself when you're not hungry. Better." And it cuts to chroma keyed Marilyn Monroe, like better. And then they do the scene that you famously know. Yes, yes, <laughs> great. <laughs> but yeah, that's a great choice right there. Um, for my, like, number three, like, kind of feel-good movie is Peter Jackson's The Frighteners. Oh, really? Awesome. I don't think I've seen that movie. Oh, it, it is, it's really wonderful, and, like, for those who may not know, The Frighteners is stars Michael J. Fox, and he is a, uh, psychic investigator in quotations, because he sees ghosts, <laughs> and he has his ghost friends haunt people's houses so he can go in and clean it up in quotations to in oh order gosh, to get paid I have no idea that's what it was about <laughs> yes <laughs> How something new today exactly however some some spirit is going around killing people left and right in this town and it's up to him and his ghost buddies to stop it i'm gonna watch this now <laughs> yes and it was the perfect tee up like because you think of pierre jackson's early career like you see like his early splatter movies like Bad Taste, Meet the Feebles, or Dead Alive, which is our extremely over top with his crudity and everything, but they're very silly. You can't take him seriously. I mean, there is a scene in uh, the famous scene in Dead Alive or Brain Dead outside the United States where a man runs into a group of zombies with a, holding up a lawnmower and chops them to pieces. And it's like 50 <laughs> gallons of blood a second is, is thrown around during that this set piece. And then you have Heavenly Creatures, which was a serious... Um, uh, take on a true crime story in New Zealand about two women coming together to murder uh, one of their women's uh, mothers to because they were going to separate these young girls from each other because they thought they were a they were bad for each other being so close to each other and that was a it was kind of like an Oscar baby kind of movie or it was, it was deemed that then he was able to do the Frighteners this movie and then that's how it led him off into doing Lord of the Rings so it's like the wow. last it's the last bastion of him 
doing a kind of like a silly horror movie, but with the Mm -hmm. studio budget. I see. Okay. Okay. And you have a Danny Elfman score, which like you can argue like it sounds like every other Danny Elfman score, but I think it's actually really (laughs) appropriate. And for you Full Metal Jacket fans, Arlie Ermey, the drill sergeant Full Metal Jacket, plays a ghost version of a drill sergeant. So you can argue that's a pseudo sequel to Full Metal Jacket. (laughs) My friend Kara met him one time. I can't remember what it was for, like a gun show or something like that. He was like there and she got to meet him. <laughs> I hope he was a nice guy. He, like, I hope he was approachable. I think so. I have to ask her about it again. But she was really excited about it. It was a long time ago. And at the time, I hadn't even seen Full Metal Jacket. So I didn't know what she was talking about. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so you can imagine, like, uh, how many gags of, like, him seeing ghosts nobody else does and him trying, like, talking to himself and ghosts trying to interact with the world. And you have... Just so many, like, there's so many, like, um, Jeffrey Combs from Reanimators in there. You have... Oh, nice. D. Wallace from The Howling and E.T. There's, it's a cornucopia of actors like, hey, I know that person in here. And it's just a fun time that being uh, scared and everything. But it's not, like, too scary. It's, like, you think of, like, Monster Squad level scary. Yeah, okay, okay. Well, I love horror movies, so if if it was really scary, I'd still see it. But um, but that sounds really fun. Yes, and so I absolutely recommend the Frighteners. And like, I could have been, I could have been cheeky and said, "Oh, the Lord of the Rings," which I'm rewatching right now. <laughs> but I'm like, that's too easy. Of a let me let me dig a little deeper and let's pick something else. And so that's why I went with the Frighteners. Okay, awesome. And what is your next? Uh, uh, Favorite uh, feel-good movie. All right. This is hard. <laughs> okay. All right. I'm going to go... Ugh, the, these two could really be switched either way, but um, I'm going to go with... My number two is Singing in the Rain. Uh, I had a feeling this would be on your list. <laughs> I know. See, I'm so obvious all the time online that it's like, <laughs> you can ask me, but you kind of already know my list. Um yeah, I, I love this movie. I watch it a lot. And I don't know, it just puts a smile on my face. It makes me happy. And I will watch it again and again. And it, it's a movie that I, I, I know I've se- I saw it as a kid, but I don't think I really connected with it when I was younger. It was really more as an adult that I really liked it. But um, yeah, I mean, I know that at least once during this time, that we're in right now, I'm going to watch it, if not more than once. So I think it deserves to be on there. Was it around the same time that you um, saw The Sound of Music? Uh, possibly, or maybe before that. But um, I don't know. I saw The Sound of Music as a child, too. But I'm not sure what the exact ages are. I feel like Singing in the Rain was forced upon me. Mm-hmm. Where Sound of Music was more of a, like, let's watch this at school kind of thing. <laughs> gotcha. Um, it's funny. I actually just heard the story about, speaking of the Sound of Music, about um, a lead actress. It's Debbie Reynolds, correct? And... I don't remember. Uh, let me look. Uh, of course. I, I, I haven't done up. an episode on it, so of course, like, I don't know. <laughs> right, no, no, of course. I, I had to throw a monkey wrench into the scenario there by oh, throwing no, a question fine. like that. Let's, let's uh, Wait, are we looking up the sound of music or... No, uh, wait, singing in the rain. The, singing in the rain. 
Luckily, we have the internet, people, so don't worry about that. I know everybody's screaming at their iPhones right now. I'm like, duh. I know. It's, They're, it's... like, so angry. Like, you said you love this movie, but you don't know how dare you. Yep, <laughs> Debbie Reynolds. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just want to be sure I want to get this right. Yeah. Um, I was listening to Joe Dante, uh, director of Gremlins and The Howling um, podcast, and he was talking, He like, his podcast where he has celebrities on, usually filmmakers, but they don't talk about their movies. They talk about movies oh, they love gotcha. and like movies that inspire them to do what they do. And the episode that I listened to had John Landis on there. And John Landis, like you, you say boo, and he can go for 45 minutes without uh, stopping, having the uh, just keeping the story going. And he relayed the story about how he heard about Demi Reynolds because uh, she did not know how to dance before she did Singing in the Rain. Oh, wow. And she was given two trainers, two dancers, like they, they would train her, I think, six to seven days a week for like 12 to 13 hours at a clip. Dang. And it got to the so point that like, I think one of the trainers got frustrated with Debbie Reynolds. It's like, he said, God damn it, Debbie, it's not that hard. And Debbie just like had enough of this shit, ran out in tears and just ran out uh, into the lot and just hidden in one of these rooms and do dove under a piano who was just crying her eyes out. And then she hears the door open to this room that she's hiding in. And so she goes quiet. Door closes. And somebody you just see the legs of somebody walking around the, this room here, this little studio. And then she made a noise. The feet stop. Turn to the piano. Walk over and kneel down. It's Fred Astaire. Fred, and Fred Astaire is like, what are you doing down there? And he takes her, like, pulls her out. And she's, like, still kind of, like, hyperventilating, crying all of that. And he, like, dabs her eyes and tells her to relax and explain to him, why are you so upset? She explains to him, like, all the, the rigorous things that she's going through in order to prepare for singing in the rain. And he, sa he says, do you know why I'm here in this room? And she says, no. He says, well, I come here to, to practice for four hours a day, and I'm Fred Astaire. I was going to say, that's so unkind to her. I mean, they, they cast someone that you know, doesn't know how to dance and they think that you're supposed to just magically learn it. I mean, like, like Fred Astaire saying it, it takes years. Yeah. And he's arguably in the old Hollywood system, the best dancer of all right. time. And so, right. and that's what like, kind of like she was able to recalibrate herself right there. And she was able to return to, um, to training. And then she ended up making movie history with singing in the rain. Right. And like, you know, you tell me that she didn't know how to dance. I mean, I, I couldn't tell that. I'm sure a trained dancer might know, but <laughs> it was pretty impressive to me. Exactly. And that's why. <laughs> but you think about that is probably a million and a half stories like that in the old studio system of people. Oh, for sure. I mean, yeah, you must remember this. The podcast has made a career on stories like that in the old Hollywood system. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's that's so that's such a fun fact. I love that. Mm-hmm. And, like, you just think of, like, Judy Garland and her career and, like, how oh, yeah. messed up she uh, got because of these the rigorous um, demands of the studios at the time. But it, I, I'll be honest, like, this is not a movie I've seen all the way through. I've seen pieces of that, but I have yet to really? sit down and watch from beginning to end. And, I, and it's one of those movies I'm uh, ashamed to admit. <laughs> like people say, I highly recommend it. That's all I'm going to say. I'm not going to shame you. Well, thank you. Like people say, you've seen Singing in the Rain, right? And I'm like, yeah, totally, totally, yeah. Over the couch and everything. like somebody that would have. I know. It's, but... it's, not, it's not the shame part. It's just like, I don't know. I just assumed you had. But 
You should see it sometime. You have time now. (laughs) All right, fine. Guilt trip you while you're at it there. (laughs) Okay, I will make the time. I mean, we all have a lot more time now. I mean, I can go from staring at this wall to this wall, or I can watch Singing in the Rain. So I think I'll I'll take... force yourself to like it. I'm just kidding. Just, I just wear the apparatus that um, Malcolm McDowell has in Clockwork Orange. Like, that's what exactly. I, 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 <laughs> watching <laughs> If that's what it requires, then that's what you must do. Okay. Um, <laughs> anything else you want to say about Singing in the Rain? No, I just, um, I, I just really enjoy the movie. And I think uh, even if you don't love musicals, this is kind of like Sound of Music where I think it um, is bigger than that. So check it out. Definitely will do. I am putting it on the list to watch, my watch <laughs> list. Um, my number two is actually a movie that you've actually, the next two movies you've covered on your show, uh, Clue. Oh. Yay. I had This was on my top. I think this was like my sort of number one-ish pick for best comedy ever. I, I, I love Clue. And it's kind of hard not to like Clue. I mean, <laughs> right. unless you hate fun. If you hate fun, then I'm like, all right, then there's nothing I can do for it. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just sit sit over there on miserable island while you're at it. Um, but yeah, this is a movie that I saw at a young age. That, like my sister uh, Stephanie and I, we watch this on video often, and to the point that, out of context, no matter what time of day it is, we can just send a quote from this movie via text, and we immediately <laughs> know the response to it or the punchline to the setup we've just given. Um, I, I think I, I texted her recently, like. Like I'm so mad right now. I have flames on the side of my head. The the breathing <laughs> flames and everything. And realizing this, like how much, like so many times throughout my life, I end up feeling like Mrs. White when I'm describing myself. Like that's how angry I am. Right? Like flames on the side of my head, just breathing frame flames. Like that's how I feel. <laughs> yeah, I love that line so much. It feels so Im- like improv. Because it's like you couldn't write that and and be so convincing with it. She just had a way of delivering it that everyone can relate to that moment for sure. <laughs> yeah, and even to the point when I was I was part of this like movie production group when theaters started getting shut down. This is the early in our quarantine of the coronavirus. I sent the clip from Clue. It's just like <laughs> three murders, six all together. This is getting serious. And then close the door on her. Like, that's how I felt. Like, this is how the world's just reacting to all the kind of updates that's happening right now. That's a pretty good analogy, yeah. <laughs> just like the nonplus, just like, up another one. Like, that's how it is. And it's kind of hard to go wrong with Tim Curry running around this mansion here, describing the events of this movie in rapid succession and not laugh at it. Right, right, right. It's it's so good. I mean, it's like my favorite part of the movie is the ending. <laughs> and then, of course, you have the multiple endings that, that's now on most home video releases. You get to see all of them back to back to back. And it, it, it just... I'm just glad the filmmakers had the foresight to recognize the talent that Tim Curry has of being such a physical comedian mm-hmm. and be mm-hmm. so expressive. But then you have other people in there. You have, Mike, you have Michael McKean as Mr. Green. You have Christopher Lloyd as uh, and as Professor Plum. And so it's like oh, it's just pure gold um, when it comes to um, comedians. And I always forget the actress's name who looks like Susan Sarandon but does not Susan Sarandon. She plays as Miss Scarlet. 
And oh I, yeah. Because I, I don't he, recall her name off the top of my head. Yeah, and like for years I thought that was Susan Sarandon. And then I found it like I watched the credits like no, it's not Susan Sarandon. It luckily it's clearly it's not let the uh, uh, mark on me because I can't remember her name at the moment. But it's it's uh, Leslie Ann Warren. Thank you so much, right there. No problem. Uh, See, this is why I don't play trivia, though. Like, even though I do a movie podcast, when when I'm under pressure, it's, like, impossible. <laughs> All the facts just run out of my brain. So I, I definitely looked that up. <laughs> and, it, and it's funny. Like, every now and then, like, I just get a, I get a secret text from friends. Like, like I'm at, I'm at trivia right now. We can't get the answer to this. What's the answer? And I'm like, oh, it's this. It's like, thank you. So, yes, I have helped <laughs> friends cheat at movie trivia before. So nice, uh, nice. I, I know it makes me a we bad We won't name pl- any names. Yeah. No, no. We're going to protect <laughs> the innocent right there. Um, <laughs> and, like, whenever I'm feeling down or dour, I can put this on and I can, I feel like I'm walking on air by the time the movie's over because I've had such a good yeah. time with it. Absolutely. But yeah, so what is your number one uh, favorite feel-good movie? So I think if I was doing, you know, like by movie importance or best movie, I think that Singing in the Rain probably should have had this spot. But when I go by my gut, my my own personal experience, I have to go with Back to the Future, any of them, all three of them, doesn't matter. I could put on any one of those movies right now and I have the time of my life. I have covered two of them on my show, but I would cover the third one almost equally. I, I just think this trilogy is great. I, I will not be taking further questions on why I don't think that, you know, I, I think there are, there they do have an order of like one, two, three in terms of like best to not best, but I think they all deserve to be in that category of just like, some of the best films ever made. So that's that's mine. I've watched this since I was a kid. I've talked about that a lot with everyone that will listen to me. But um, Back to the Future just is such a big part of my life that, yeah, I, I can watch it at any time at the drop of a hat. So for listeners at home, what Lisa just said about for her number one, you can co-sign it because my number one's also Back to the Future. Heck yeah! If I, you know, I would high five you, except that we're remote. I'll just make the high five sound. There we go. <laughs> even if you were here, I would not high five you. <laughs> well, yes, no, that we're, would be within six feet. Exactly. Um, uh, I'm so excited that we have the same number one. How <laughs> weird, especially when I was like flip flopping them. I had no idea. Heck yeah! And, and it's funny because I'm just thinking, like, yeah, it, it, it's like uh, I made a list. I'm like, oh, it's gonna be so cliche. Like, people in our age range, like, saying Back to the Future, duh, and everything. And it seems so, it's so played out and everything, but I can't deny it. Like, even, like, as a kid, I would watch Back to the Future 2 and 3 more because you same, get to... Same, and, same, And because you get to, you, you have the DeLorean at the very beginning of each movie. And with the first one, you have to wait 25 minutes until the DeLorean shows up. But as but as as you older and you get a little I guess a little more mature not that much more mature I say I'm, <laughs> yeah I can't claim that I'm more mature but I've gotten older for sure yes I, I mean like I I describe myself as an overgrown child most of the days and like my maturity is the same size as my shoe um, and so and that's why I enjoy Back to the Future one because I think Back to the Future one the first one is a perfect movie in terms of just structure of setups it and really payoffs is. character yeah. arcs and. There are times where I can, you can watch a movie that means a lot to you. You can be transported back to that your your inner child or the first time seeing it, 
and happens every time uh, Marty's gotten the DeLorean back working after he smashed his head into the uh, the uh, wheel and the car starts up again. He races to the clock tower. That whole set piece of, the, of Doc trying to get the everything wired and everything to make sure everything's going to be fine. And Marty racing as fast as he can to the clock tower. And then Alan Silvestri's score is blaring at the as loud as it can be. I every time I have goosebumps uh, thinking about it. Yeah, I mean it, it's just I, there are some movies that when you turn them on, it's like all these old smells, feels, tastes, everything. It like transports you back to a certain time, and there's just something about Back to the Future, especially if you grew up in the '80s or were born in the '80s, um, that really makes you relive all of that in the moment it's just there's there's few movies like that but you know i think back to the future really is a time capsule it became it weirdly became a movie about the 80s even though it was supposed to be about time travel and i don't know i just love it so much and i know that a lot of it is just i mean it's not like a perfect representation of what the 80s were like or the 50s or the future uh, but it's just so good and, um, it's so fun and I never get tired of watching them. And I, I'm like you, I think I saw the third one the most as a kid. I don't know why. I just really liked the, that it was in the old West, which is kind of weird. Cause there, I wasn't really watching a lot of Westerns back then, but I loved it. Um, and maybe I just had more access to the third one. Uh, but I love the second one too. And then I agree with you as an adult, I think the first one is an amazing film. Although I will say, I think the second one is one of the best sequels ever just because it knows exactly what it is. And it's doing all those things that sequels do, but with that extra like fourth wall of like, ha ha, we're doing it again. Cause there's time travel. Like, I think there's something really genius about that, that people kind of overlook, you know, people downplay how cool the second one is too. But yeah, all of them. I mean, some of my favorite childhood memories are like going to Universal Studios and posing out next to a DeLorean. <laughs> so I don't know. I, I have a I have a jacket hanging up in my closet right now. Um, a Hill Valley High jacket. <laughs> I have the ring somewhere. A Hill Valley High ring. That's um, awesome. Yeah, I don't I don't even know where it is, but I do have one. Um, and you know, I bought this big book last year uh, from a guy that. I think he worked on, he works, he had something to do with the production. I'd have to go back and, and look at the book again, but it's this really great, like, visual, um, just encyclopedia of stuff about the movies, and it's really, really fun, um, and I go back and look at that sometimes, too, and, uh, I could, I could wax poetic about it forever, but, <laughs> yeah, I just, I could watch it right now. I just love those movies mm -hmm. so much. It's funny that you have, like, memorabilia, that you have physical stuff from the movie, like, Every time I go into my comic book shop, like there's some apparel there, and I do have like that red reflective hat that Marty wears in Back to the Future 2. Amazing. And I'm like, I keep saying to myself, I'm going to get that one day. <laughs> and, and it immediately walked past, but, that, but, it's also, but it's also surrounded by like Batman the Animated Series statues that are like 300 bucks a pop. And I'm like, I want those. I don't know where they'll go, but I'm going to get those one day. I, I've made a rule for myself, and it's that – so Nick and I used to collect – they were mostly like anime statues, but they were a lot like those busts or statues that you see at comic shops, and they're super expensive, and I had a ton of them. I finally had to just 
get rid of a lot of them. Um, and then I promised myself to not buy any more. Um, and we've made the rule that like, until we move, we're not allowed to buy any because there's just nowhere to keep all these things. Um, but someday when I move into like a house or, you know, a condo or something, I'm going to put up a glass, you know, display case and I'm going to buy those. It's going to happen. Yeah. I, I mean, and I was like, I have a similar <laughs> rule to myself. Like I don't go in there on payday. I don't like, 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 That's I, smart. like, like Thursdays is when I usually get paid. Like I do not go in the comic book shop when on payday <laughs> and like, I usually do my own personal shopping on Saturdays. I make sure if I'm going to go to the comic book shop on Saturdays, I get all the things I need first, even <laughs> yeah. if I, even if I'm going a long way around, then I swing <laughs> back around to the comic book shop. I'm like, okay, so I'm not like, yeah, I'm like, oh yeah, I just dropped 120 bucks on groceries and everything. And now I'm going to drop another 80 bucks on this, these three trade paperbacks or something like that. So I, I, I make myself that kind of rule. And it's funny, like, cause, um, cause I still buy a lot of physical media and I'm looking at stuff right now and I'm like, I, like I have luckily because i still live at home i have this like big glass case where i can keep everything in but i'm like all right when i move out i'm gonna need shelves and i need to have like all right this is where the dvd is gonna be this is where the blu-ray stuff are and i still need to go through my dvds that like i have now bought on blu-ray that i need to get rid of so i can or donate so i'm like all right this is stuff i don't have to move with and everything like those like those are non-essentials but like yeah. those are things that i like i really can't part with like that stuff like it's going to be a pain in the ass to move but it's going to be worth it <laughs> very much so and i will like to kind of put a pin into back to the future here is because uh the five-year anniversary of the show is coming up in early may and like awesome. it yeah and so like you know like how some people celebrate their birthday for an entire month <laughs> uh, like I, I'm gonna be selfish, and it's gonna be a five, it's a whole month long celebration of the show. That's and, awesome. Yeah, and thank you. And so my well, my closest friends Chris and I are gonna be covering Back to the Future, if not the entire trilogy that month. And because he's just as obsessive with that movie as I am, and so like you know, like how my friend Mike and I will go three plus hours on a movie. That's what's <laughs> going to be kind of be like for, we might do the entire, at least the first one, if not the whole trilogy. And yeah. And so that's my kind of penance in back to the future. I absolutely love it. It picks me up no matter what mood I'm in. And it reminds me why I want to be a storyteller to begin with. So it's nice to have those kind of reset movies right there. But I know we kind of had like some kind of honorable, uh, at least I have some honorable mentions for my favorite feel-good movies. Do you have some as well? Sure. I guess um, I watch, what do I watch a lot? Um, probably Blues Brothers. Classic. Um, yeah, I, I can watch that movie pretty much any time. Uh, maybe Caddyshack. <laughs> um, and then I'm trying to think of a more recent one. If if I had to pick like a recent one that I'm like, a lot of people, okay, I just want to say something here. A lot of people are like, okay, can't wait for all the virus movies next year. Uh, Hollywood, can you, we don't need more virus movies. What we need is like another greatest showman. Okay. Like I need a pick me up. So if you could put out some movies like that, like some movies that make everybody feel good and happy, um, so, yeah, I, I would put Greatest Showman up there, too, is, like, I just walked out of that theater, like, buzzing with happiness. And so I want to see some of that next year. Um, you know? 
It's funny because I thought you were going to say The Greatest Showman. I'm like, I bet you The Greatest Showman's on her honorable mentions. Like, I just had that gut feeling. And two, I guess I should stop writing my pandemic movie right now, which I have been writing because I've been trapped inside. Oh, no, I'm not trying to stifle creativity here. I'm just saying you can put out these virus movies, but we also need some singing and dancing. That's what we need. That's to- true. Uh, not, not in place of, but also. Yes. Um... Some like my honorable mentions are um, Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade. Such a good one. That's perfect. And because I think I mentioned that in that Twitter thread, which was the uh, germ for this this episode to begin with. And I just love the resolution of a father and son coming together at the end. Um, yeah. It's something that I feel on a very personal level because like, like my father and I didn't like we're not the closest when I was very young. But as time went on, we've. Like we're we're kind of living as like bachelors right now together, and we're closer as like almost we're still the father and son dynamic, but like we're close as friends right now, and so mm-hmm. and I find that really reflective in this movie, and so that's why I really enjoy it. Um, <clears throat> another one is uh, Dazed and Confused. Oh yeah, which it, it, because it's the per- it's like like Rio Bravo, it's like the perfect hangout movie. Mm-hmm. We you just hang out with some characters on the, the and with Dave's um, story, it's like all right, it's just twenty four hours. It's just about the seventies. It's just a couple friends getting together, having a good time on the last day of school. And some people say like it's kind of inc- inconsequential. It's like juniors going to become seniors, and some kids going to becoming high school. Like why would you make a movie about that? And it's like why not? It could still be interesting. And just the music, the jokes, and just the overall vibe. I I feel warm. And fuzzy after watching it. Nice. I think when you're saying that, I guess I would add like, and not everybody loves this movie, but I like it. Like American Graffiti. Um, or another one is Goonies. I've actually, <laughs> Nick and I keep saying, it's our time. It's our time out <laughs> here. Up there. It's there. Like, that's something we quote all the time. So I definitely have to add that as well. Um, and- Goonies has like sort of like one of my favorite like gags at the very beginning of the movie where the guard's reading the suicide note and they looks up that uh, <laughs> Robert Davi's not dead. He smiles and kills the guard. And like uh, I haven't watched the Goonies in forever. I kind of want to now. You and should. So, yeah, and so I may have to. And it's something I don't own, and I'm kind of kicking myself I don't own that. I feel like I should have that in my collection. Yeah, it's just like. I don't know. And and that line that I said earlier specifically because it doesn't really make any sense. Like, oh, it's out of if nowhere. You, if you dissect it, he's not saying anything. It's just like, it's our, it's their time up there. It's our time down here. Down here, it's our time. And it seems so profound, like music's playing. But we're like, what what is what does that mean? But we just find ourselves saying that to each other a lot, you know. So Yeah, but it's also... We, they- it resonated with us. We got it. <laughs> but also the movie references an octopus. Like, they ran into an octopus, which they shot, but it wasn't, wasn't in the movie. But they still referenced their, their run-in with the octopus. So there's a bunch of other <laughs> weird stuff that happens in that movie. You wonder, like, wait, why does that Why does that work? But somehow it does. I always love hearing people that don't like it, um, that either were too old when it came out, or, you know, they've kind of passed that window of time where it's enjoyable, like, watching it now. And they say things like, those children scream the whole movie. And they do. I can't defend that. But (laughs) it's great. I guess it's kind of like me with Hook. Like, I'm not the biggest fan of Hook. I I, 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 
I know, I know. It's like, in if somebody who's a huge Spielberg fan like myself, I'm just kind of like, uh, people say, "Don't you love Hook?" And I'm like, mm, yes. <laughs> You're not required to. It's all good. Yeah, I mean, I, I love Dustin, Dustin Hoffman in there. I think he, him, yeah, he and does a great job. him and Bob Hoskins steal the show. It's not, it's not a good movie, <laughs> <laughs> but I enjoyed it a lot. Let's yeah. put it that way. Oh yeah, like as long as like you can recognize like some stuff like you think like oh it's like objectively like you could argue objectively or subjectively it's a bad movie but you still enjoy it you're totally fine to have that kind of experience I'm not gonna say like yeah but stand- I can recognize the problems with it so I'm not I'm not I'm definitely not chastising you over that one <laughs> right and like also I love John Williams score for Hook I think it's it's a fantastic oh, score yeah, great score um. And Glenn Close as a pirate that you don't recognize as Glenn Close until you watch the credits. You're like, wait, that was Glenn Close that got um, <laughs> had to walk the plank. Um, yeah, but um, my other, like, my last, like, uh, honorable mention is uh, Drop Dead Fred. Yes. Okay. So, are you Team Sanity or Team Fred? What? That he was actually there, or that? that... Oh, dang! You haven't. Okay. You have to go listen to the How Did This Get Made episode where they covered Drop Dead Fred. Okay. First of all, it's like the wildest episode they've ever done. But uh, Paul uh, Paul Shear and his wife, June, Diane Raphael, um get in this heated <laughs> debate over, you know, pro or anti-Fred. And so they called – she's very pro-Fred – and she thinks that this is a wonderful movie, that it explored some great stuff, and that he's he's great. And Paul Shearer thinks that Fred is terrible, that he's it's a horrible movie, he's a terrible person, and you know, there's a lot of evil stuff happening in this film involving Fred. So he he's team sanity. And the entire theater at the live show where they're talking about this gets extremely divided and vocal about you know, they're like, hey, yell out, Team Fred or Team Sanity? And then every person that comes up, they're like, okay, what's your question? And are you Team Fred or Team Sanity? And it's just really funny. It's a joke that just carried, like, forever. Huh. Um, and in, in episodes after that, they always bring it up, like, by the way, I'm Team Fred, you know, or, oh, by the way, I'm Team Sanity. And <laughs> that's why I was asking you that. So so based on my description of it, are you Team Fred or are you Team Sanity? I am Team Fred. Okay, okay. I, I would think if you enjoy the film at all, you'd have to be. <laughs> uh, I, I, even though I, I have to question the sinking of your friend, your best friend's barge. Um, <laughs> uh, but, like, I guess it, it's, she has insurance, so that's fine. Um, <laughs> even though Fred does terrible things, but I think it's for the best in the end. Yeah, like, I guess I, I agree that... You know, this is supposed to be, it's sort of like her, she's working through some stuff through the character Fred. You know, it's like he's an imaginary friend. He's not really there. It's like stuff she's working through. Or you could view it that he's real. But either way, I just didn't take it super seriously to where like anything he does or says like upsets me. But that being said, I haven't seen it in a few years. So maybe I need to watch it again. (laughs) But also, I'll be honest, I'm a huge Rick Mayhall fan, 
And okay. so, like, I'm just like, maybe it's not being objective like there, but I love it. Like, what is he <laughs> on either this or the TV show Bottom or what have you? Like, I and okay, I'm kind of mad that he was because he played in the first Harry Potter movie, he was cast as Peeves, the oh, um, rambunctious okay. ghost that that pranks everybody throughout the entire series. Which they oh. shot, but they never. They, it wasn't. It was a deleted scene. And I kind of wish that was still in there. Like that's one deleted scene I wish that was put in the movie. Yeah, I did not know that. Yep, um, I remember stuff like that. I can't remember my family members' birthdays, so <laughs> make of that what you will. I mean, like I just I filled that the census form for my dad and I, and I had to go up to him. It's like you're July seventeenth, right now July sixteenth, because um, my sister. Um, and my dad's birthdays are are next to each other. They're they're like one day is my sister's, next day is my dad's. But I always flip it. I always like, wait, it's the is he the sixteenth? She's the seventeenth. I always mess that up. Well, they're and really so, close together. That's kind of understandable. <laughs> yeah, and like, and so we usually have like one celebration for both of them, and so we kind of like compound them together. Um, I feel bad for my sister Stephanie because it's like in the end of February. It's like. Oh, what do we want to do for your birthday? I don't know. We can't go outside. Um, <laughs> yeah, a lot of people are going through that right now. Yeah. And and oddly enough, like, our celebration for her birthday, I think, was was late February. Cause it wasn't on, I think it was a few days after her actual birthday. That was the last time all, all of us were together, uh, funny enough. Wow. I was literally thinking about that when I went for my morning walk around my neighborhood. And don't worry, maintaining social distancing to other oh, runners yeah, I saw. Too. Yeah. But I, although I had to get cardio, otherwise I'd just go insane walking around my house. Right. I, I also think, you know, they want everyone to walk six feet apart also because it proves that you're not congregating. You know what I mean? That you're not even, not just the spirit of it, but you're physically, you know, also doing it. So I think, you know, unfortunately we're going to pass by somebody every once in a while, but... As long as you're, you know, trying to maintain that distance, you you should be good. Yeah. But, yeah, and so that's our feel-good movies list. I hope uh, people listening were taking notes because now there's a quiz for everybody. I want everybody <laughs> to write in and repeat back the list to us. No, you don't have to. <laughs> uh, but but the, the, the point of this episode was to, if people are kind of feeling down and kind of having a little bit of cabin fever hopefully and you've not seen these movies or some of them at least that now you have a list of movies that you need you should watch to at least from us that we think will help pick up your spirits a little bit and help get through this crisis that we're dealing with today totally agree i think we need some positivity out there um you know and and, and this helps this is something we can all do we can all turn our TVs on and watch some of these great films. So I, I love that. Definitely. Now, uh, Lisa, for listeners who may not follow you on the interwebs and may not be aware of your show, where can people find you on social media and your podcast? So pretty much um, you can find me on Twitter at ILTM Podcast. You can find me on Instagram under I Love That Movie Podcast. Um, we've also got a website now, just I love that movie podcast.com. And yeah, you can find me pretty much anywhere that you get um, your podcast. Just search I love that movie. And I look forward to talking to all of you guys. And if you like what you hear, please come on. You know, Tim, you've been on a few times and always love having you on and definitely need to have you back soon. So yeah. 
Well, thank you for saying that. And I love being a guest because it's like, you don't have the pressure of leading the show and, and guiding the conversation. Same. Same. That's, <laughs> that's where I am right now. <laughs> and so I, I have time to think of like really bad jokes to make and everything. Like, like I, I have bad witticisms too. Like I have time to think of my bad punchlines, but, and like, is the really cool thing is for the, I love that movie, like Facebook group and everything we've done recently, um, watch alongs for certain oh, movies yeah. and everything. Those are so fun. That went so much better than it was going to go in my head. Like I was worried cause we were all trying to figure out how we could watch stuff, but you know, the chat room, I think it just works because it's like, we can all start it and it doesn't matter if we're not perfectly in sync. It's, it's the camaraderie that we're all sharing in there. Um, yeah. If, if you guys are listening and you want to be a part of that, like come on in and hang out with us. You definitely, and you further show that you have now your own website dedicated for your podcast and everything. And I'm like, yeah, I think I I do a lot of stuff on my podcast. But then I look at Lisa and I'm like, God damn it, she's laughing at everybody right now. Or just being a full entrepreneur about <laughs> I don't it. Everything feel that way like at all. It's so funny you say that because I feel like I'm always like, I just have this, you know, maybe it's maybe I'm looking at a, a show that's doing that or something as well. You know, just sort of where we're all kind of influencing each other. But I I don't feel anywhere near as on top of it as you're describing. So I I, I really appreciate that. It's it's really nice, but um, I appreciate it. <laughs> no problem. And for those who want to follow me on social media, you can follow me on Twitter at Timothy Rooney Two. My YouTube channel, Dual Lens Productions, where my latest short film, Chase, is up. And you have my Instagram at tvrooney1012. I don't post there that often, but every now and then, it's usually what I'm doing or what production I'm kind of part of and everything. And once everything kind of dies down, we can kind of return to normalcy. Um, update that I actually finished the screenplay to my first feature film, like typed up oh, and wow. all. And like this, like... This is the intention, like, this is the movie I'm going to make. And so uh, you'll be hearing updates about me getting the ball rolling on that, and I can't wait to do that. And, yeah, and so hopefully to be shooting either in late fall or early winter this year. Yay! Well, that's great. That's great news. Yeah, and everything, I'm just looking at it, I'm like, yeah, but this is supposed to take place, it's supposed to take place around Christmas. I'm like, all right, I have all this time to prep now that the script is done and I can rework it and everything and get everything in line to get the movie rolling. Um, so, yeah, so follow me for all updates about that. Um, and there will be links in the show notes to other things we've kind of spoken about when it comes to our social media and such. Uh, Lisa, thank you again for taking time every day to talk about your favorite feel-good movies with me. Anytime. It is such a pleasure. Thank you so much for having me back. Of course, and we'll have you back on soon because there are a few DC movies we have still yet to talk about and everything yeah. I, I promise to keep with that. <laughs> but for listeners, thank you for listening. Thank you for downloading. Share this with anybody who you think would be benefit from some feel-good movies and everything. And subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. Review us and rate us wherever you get your podcasts. And come back next time as we continue to talk about geek and pop culture. And we'll be speaking to you soon.